wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. What do you think of when you think of a baby shower? If you envision a pile of diapers, too many baby blankets, and some games, then you don't want to miss our podcast today as my guest is going to share how to create a beautiful celebration of motherhood to reimagine the baby shower to create a village of support for birthing women. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. I am so honored today to welcome Caitlin McGreas. Caitlin is the founder of Beaver Village. She started working as a birth doula in 2014 and quickly became passionate about creating access to maternal care for all. She supported hundreds of families through their parenthood journeys, founded a doula team, ran a doula mentorship program, has lobbied on behalf of birthing people, and is committed to helping birth workers break into the retail baby gift industry. Welcome, Caitlin. It is such a pleasure and honor to have you join us today. Thank you so much, Deborah. It is my pleasure and honor to be here. I'm so excited to be in a room with you. I'm so excited to be able to share my story and my work with your community. So thank you so much for having me. Well, welcome, because I know you have a lot of wisdom to share with listeners today. And, you know, I have the honor that you shared your birth stories and they're on our Orgasmic Birth blog. We will definitely link to them here. But can you start by sharing about your own birth experiences and how that brought you to create Be Her Village? Absolutely. And I want to mention too, I really want people that are listening to this to go read those birth stories because it's not just my birth stories. It's actually the very first time ever that I wrote them out. And it was because you and I connected and you invited me to share my birth stories on your website. And I really sat down and finally, finally did the task that sometimes feels really overwhelming. And when I did it, I sort of felt like I cracked open and it all came flooding out. And I really enjoyed writing those stories. So please, I'm going to give you the short version right now, but go and read those stories. They are, they were really powerful to write. And I think they're very impactful to read because it really takes people through my entire birth landscape, which is one that has lots of stops on it, right? So I, I started out as I was a New York City public school teacher. I was outgoing. I thought I was a little invincible. I was in my late 20s. I think a lot of us think we're invincible in our late 20s. At least I did. And I was planning an out-of-hospital birth. I was planning a birth center birth, actually, in New York City. I was sort of just a little... Part of my preparation was to sort of just stay a little disconnected from myself and any fears that were popping up. And I was just ignoring everything that was negative from either other people or from myself. And I made a mistake in that because I was also ignoring my intuition. I was also ignoring these sort of bubbling up thoughts that were leaving me with some questions, leaving me with some discomfort. I was ignoring that because I thought I had to stay as positive as possible. 
And so my first birth is, I like to think of it now, 10 years later, as as a gift because it was a very, very, very standard American maternal care experience. And in that, it was traumatizing, quite frankly. It was being put through an induction, epidural, leading to a C-section, fetal distress leads to C-section, difficult recovery, difficult breastfeeding experience. But more than those medical facts, my first birth was a near immediate cutting down of my power. As soon as I stepped into the hospital, quite frankly, even before that, even just being told to go to the hospital, it was immediately losing my voice, immediately losing my humanness. I I felt discarded in the process. I felt like I was annoying the staff at the hospital. And I I think I was, I think I was annoying them. Just by being present there, there was this, this real like disregard for the incredibly transformative moment that I was facing, this incredible journey, this culmination, it's both a culmination, right, and a beginning to our parenthood journeys. And and I just felt really powerless in that entire birth. And so that was very difficult for me because it sort of left me in this rocky beginning to motherhood. I felt disconnected from my power. I felt confused. I felt broken. I mean, really, like physically, I was very, I was recovering from major surgery with little to no support. My husband was not allowed to stay in the hospital, which I thought was overnight, which I thought was a like specific thing for this hospital. But as I've talked to more people, this is a pretty common thing that partners, male partners are sent home in the early, you know, first nights of pregnant, of, excuse me, of postpartum. And I just, I found myself with this new baby, this new body, this new life, this new experience. And I felt anxious. I felt deeply in love, deeply shifted, but really just like on really unstable ground. And I found myself, probably the most jarring thing, recovering from surgery while also taking care of a brand new baby, which are two completely enormous and separate tasks that I had the absolute horror of having to do together. And and I found it really, really difficult. But that story to me, the reason I share it, and I know it's it's kind of a, an interesting thing to have on the Orgasmic Birth Podcast, that story set me on the path that I'm on right now. It's It changed the trajectory of my life because I can't, it would have too much power if it just sat there and was my story of motherhood, right? It's the only way that I can work through it and move through it and heal from that birth and that totally standard American medical experience. I want to really like underline, it was traumatic not because anything special happened. It was traumatic because it was just the standard of care at the time, which is to leave women who are birthing totally powerless and the the will and mercy of everybody, the hospital staff. I, I really, I knew I needed to both learn from it. I needed to learn why it happened. I needed, I felt so curious about the conditions were that led to this. And then as I prepared for my second and then third births, I really used it as fuel. Like, okay, sometimes it's it's hard to know what you want, but it's really easy to know what you don't want, right? So I knew I didn't want to feel powerless. I knew I didn't feel want to feel voiceless again because that was the worst part of the whole thing. And so my second birth, there was this 
activation and all of the transformative power of that second birth, which was truly the most transformative moment, the culminating moment, of course, when the baby was born. But all of the transformation that happened for me through the course of that VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean, was in shifting into like this newfound person who knew what she wanted, who took actionable steps to get what I wanted, who who needed to make decisions like, should I have a repeat C-section or a VBAC? Because in my mind, I was not, and still I'm not, so concerned about how the baby comes out. I was much more concerned about how am I going to feel about this? Because I would rather walk into that repeat C-section room, having made every choice for myself with information and being fully connected to my power than to feel out of control again in an attempted vaginal birth. So there was there was just a lot of a lot of exploration that happened both internally, but also in literally going to the library and getting books out and and learning about birth and feeling curious about my choices. And I ultimately decided to go for a VBAC. I hired the the doctor on Long Island where I live, which is the most like she's the renowned doctor. She works in the Orthodox Jewish community. So she has just she has all these women that are having seven, eight, nine, ten babies. I think she has seven children herself and multiple grandchildren. And so she's really a fierce protector of vaginal birth and of VBAC so that she's not doing 10 C-sections on somebody, right? So she's I hired her and I hired my doula and I and I refused to be a backseat participant. I refused to go to my visits and and sit there and be meek. You know, I think there's this like dynamic that happens to so many of us when we're in medical appointments. There's this thing that happens and I think it's by design, right? I think that the doctors are trained that they are on a pedestal, they're godlike, they're infallible, and I think we're told the same things and there's this like there's this you have the knowledge and I don't. So I'm going to be really quiet and you're going to tell me what to do. And I didn't do that. I went into my appointments with a list of questions. I just had a running little notepad thing on my phone. And because I think of questions like while I'm driving and while I'm helping my toddler at playtime, whatever, it was not necessarily like a session. I just had this running note of questions. And that was how I formed my birth plan. I would go into the office and while she was doing the things she needed to do, I would just ask her all of these questions. And by the time I had a birth plan, which was formed from those conversations, I was handing it to her and asking her to put it in the chart and review it. And she did all of that. And it was it was such a different experience. There was one moment, which was like in the moment, it was so funny looking back on it because now I've been a doula for forever, it feels. And I've supported so many VBAC women. And I know so much about how to identify VBAC supportive providers. And, you know, like you, a lot of women, especially like me who have this induction history, Everyone who's been induced, I've never met a person who's like, yeah, I'd like to do that again. Everyone I know that's been induced is like, I never, ever, ever want to be induced again. So I remember going into my appointment, we were were nearing the end, maybe 38, 39 weeks. And I was talking about the end, right? We had already discussed like monitoring and when to come in and all these questions as I was reading my books. And I said, we're going to support this until 42 weeks, right? She said, yes, absolutely. 42 weeks. I said, great. I don't want an induction at 42 weeks. I want a C-section, which is is like kind of funny because for most people, you're fighting so hard for your chance at a vaginal birth. 
But I was, I just knew I wasn't trying to follow any one birth. I just knew I needed it to be on my terms. And I remember having this conversation and she was going, oh no, please, please. If you go to 42 weeks, I could give you Pitocin. We can do this, please. She, she wanted to throw her tools at me to give me the chance at my vaginal birth. And yet I was, I was being resistant. But it, it's really about me having the power. It was not about an intervention-free birth. It was about having a birth where I felt in charge and in the driving, in the driver's seat. So fast forward to my labor. It was, I walked into this labor fully supported. I had my doula, my partner, my mom on board, my my OB. We were just, we were this dream team. And I got into labor on my own. I went to an acupuncturist and he gave me little seeds in my ears. I don't know that much about acupuncture, but oh my God, I pressed those seeds so much until I had to rip them off. I just could not take it anymore. I think I pressed them too much. And I ripped off the seeds and the next morning I woke up in labor, which was really cool. And I was in my own labor and I labored all day at home. I used my hypno babies techniques. I, you know, turned the light switch and I went into hypnosis and my pain became pressure and I was working with my body and it was just blissful. It was pain-free and I know it sounds nuts. I get, I don't think it sounds nuts to this to this crowd, but it was bliss. It was my favorite day of my life, I think. It was just all day laboring at home. We went and got bagels in the morning. We watched a Honduras World Cup game. My husband's family's from Honduras. We just, it just sort of like folded the labor into the normal activities of the day. And then as the sun set, everything sort of picked up as it does and the waves became more intense. But I had been working all day. I'd been learning all day about my body. I'd been learning all day about how to do this. And I'd been, I didn't, I wasn't ready for my doula to come, but I had been in touch with her all day, texting and just checking in. It was so reassuring to anytime something shifted to just sort of be like, hey, is this normal? And that was what I kept asking. I just like need to know if things were normal. Is this normal? Is this normal? Is this normal? And she kept going, it's normal. You're doing great. You're doing great. It's little things. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but oh, it's so powerful in that moment when you're, you're not in a space where you want to go on Google or on Facebook or reach out to a lot of people. It's a very private space. And to have my own personal person to like get information from was really incredible. And I labored and I labored and I labored. And every time I called my doctor to let her know how I was doing, she kept saying, stay home, stay home, stay home, which is both an incredibly supportive and VBAC supportive thing. And also why I chose home birth for my third, quite frankly, because <laughs> he knew how the way I was going to get the birth I wanted was to stay as far away from her and the hospital as I could, because she knew exactly what would happen if I got there too early. And and I think she has some recognition of the mental and spiritual and emotional factors. The you know It's like the untouchables. You can't really put that in a chart, but when we our mental state is is protected and our emotional state and this comfort that we have in our homes it helps us get really deep into labor it really helps our bodies open and so i stayed in my house until about midnight i labored all morning from 5am till midnight and then i called the doctor and she said i think i had my husband call which is probably why she told us to come in cuz i think when the partner calls it's like oh boy she's not even getting on the phone and she said to him, if if you want, you can come in, but I just want you to know 
if she's not far enough along, I might send you guys home. Like she's just trying to set expectations. But so I called my doula. It took her a little while to get to me. By the time we got in the hospital, which I remember this moment, and I think I didn't realize how I, I have a very hard time telling where I am in labor, right? But this will give you an indication. My doula came. As soon as she came to my house, I looked at her and I said, I wish I had, I forget what the name is, like the Star Trek thing where you just like, you appear in another place. I said, I wish I could just transport myself to the hospital. Like, I just don't want to go on this journey right now. And then from my bedroom, through my kitchen, to the driveway, to the car, I had probably five contractions. And wow. I was like, oh, I was like rocking and rolling. I didn't, I didn't know. We also made like a slight error like calculation with the, we had like one rogue break on our contraction timer, which like adjusted everything. It was, it was a little murky. It all worked out for the best. Everything always does, right? It all works out exactly how it's supposed to. But I remember her, I don't know if I was aware of it at the time, but she pulled my husband aside and said, if anything happens, pull over. And he was like, what do you mean? What? And she was like, if the baby comes, just pull over. So I think the doula absolutely (laughs) knew how far along I was and how much work I had done at home. So this doctor who had been telling us that we might get sent home upon me wobbling and waddling my way. I couldn't sit in a wheelchair. My goodness. I got myself all the way, contraction by contraction, to the L&D unit, which if anyone has been to North Shore Manhasset, the L&D is like eight hallways internal. It's like a very, it's like a maze to get to it. It's quite a walk. And so I finally get there and they tell me, bypass triage. We've got your L&D room. They just took one look at me. We've got your L&D room ready. The nurses, before even talking to me, start setting up the baby table. And I went to the bathroom because I am at this point, by the way, I like thinking, so we're going to be here a couple of days. I wanted, I had full intention for my mother to come and join me for this birth. But I, I had this like idea of, I will just, we'll go to the hospital and then we'll call her when we're settled and then she can come. And we never really got settled. We were in the postpartum unit. I ended up going and they said, just, you know, use use the restroom before you get into the bed and the doctor will check you and whatnot. And on on that toilet, I had never experienced this before. This is my first non-induced labor. It was just, it was my first natural birth. I hadn't gotten to the stage. And I remember having a contraction and I was doing everything that was working for me, right? The swaying, the upright, the moaning, the the whatever. It was just... It just felt good. I knew what to do. It was like old hat at that time. But there was this thing that happened that kind of surprised me. Where at the peak of it, I was like, (laughs) sorry for the graphic sounds. And and I just like, and it's like a reverse throw up, but that's like the best way I can describe it, which is a horrible way to describe it. But it's involuntary and it's ejecting something from your body. And it has, your brain is not involved. Your just body is just saying, okay, this is time. And, and my doula definitely noticed and we got, we got me over to the bed and 45 minutes later with a bunch of pushing, but a bunch of just being left alone, which was really nice. My baby was born vaginally and really quite, I just literally recorded another podcast today and the midwife was like, oh, you had fetal ejection reflex. I'm like, oh, I did have fetal ejection reflex. Yes, you did. Right out. It was unbelievable. And it was just this culminating I did it. I did it. I advocated for myself. I chose the right team. And I, and I literally screamed 
I just had a baby out of my vagina. I was so excited. My doula sent me a video of me doing that later so that the whole floor could hear. And it was just this triumphant celebration of not just my body, but what I could do when I stepped up and when I got connected and when I advocated for myself. And it was it was really life altering for me that that feedback because it it did more than just gave me a great birth. It did more than healing from my first birth. It really it like opened up a part of me that has never closed down since. And I would walk around for months and sometimes even years. There's like the VBAC high. I don't know if anyone has heard this term before, but there's the VBAC high. There's just like, oh my God, I had a VBAC. And there's this, your life just sort of vibrates on a higher level. And and it's so cool how birth can be this transformative thing. And it was for me that that just propelled me into the next iteration of my life. I was never the same person as I was before that. And that birth is really what what actually made concrete that curiosity about how I could be the same person two years apart and less than two years, just under two years apart, have two completely different night and day birthing experiences in the same area, the same hospital, like hospitals, the whole, the same sort of like basics, like on paper looks similar and yet night and day. And what were the social constructs, constructs and the systemic constructs that, that made one different from the other? And I was just immediately called into doula work from there because I, I couldn't believe the stark, stark, stark difference between the two. And I was just forever changed by that VBAC birth. Oh my goodness, Caitlin. And you have to take us to birth number three, but I just have to say, wow, for everyone listening, right? The power of your stories from your first birth and kind of the trauma and all that came with it to this incredible healing birth, we can feel, I feel the oxytocin, right? Just oozing from you. So from lessons from that, you're changed now. You've really claimed your power. What did you do for birth number three? So for birth number three, I felt actually in a really similar position when I was preparing for my VBAC. And that's, it's interesting because part of that is because every single birth is allowing us this opportunity to transform, right? It's like, it doesn't matter how many births you have, you are a new person at the embarkation, right? Of this journey of this, like, where are we going with this? And so with my second birth, with my VBAC, I felt like my big question was, do I do a VBAC or do I do a repeat C-section? And I did a lot of exploring into that. And with my third, it was clear to me I was going to try and set myself up to have a vaginal birth. But the question, the big the big question became, do I do this in a hospital or do I do this at home? And I was, this is so ridiculous to say, but I was someone who didn't quote unquote believe in home birth as if home birth needed me to believe in it. I I was someone who was sort of like when I when I first became a doula, which was only a f- couple of years before I had this home birth, I I thought it was irresponsible to be honest with you. I thought that people who were choosing home birth were nuts. I thought that we had thousands of years, little did I know how many years of home birth experience we have. I thought we had thousands of years of medical advancement and technology. And how could you reject all of that to give birth at home and risk yourself and your baby? Oh my goodness, what a ridiculous notion. So 
So I had to sort of do deep dive into my myself to make that decision. And one of the things, there's so many things that sort of informed it. One is I, that was the belief I held, right? And I don't know that I had actually like dug into that belief. And it's really interesting what happens to us when we take these constructs, these these things that we just believe to be true, like making a triangle around my face. I'm not sure why, but it's just like this steady like pyramid, like this is the belief. It's immovable. And for me, that was home birth is not safe. And then when I started like poking at it a little bit, it was really interesting what I found. So number one, I reflected on my doula work, which I had attended so many births at that point, both home and hospital. And I had seen the emergencies, the quote unquote emergencies that were that happened in hospitals due to hospital interventions. And it was not lost on me that that was where much of the alarm around birth comes from. It comes from the interrupting of the physiological process. That was that was a big one. So it's like, what are we opting into here? The next piece, and this is sort of an advocacy piece and something I would love to see change on the birth landscape, is that I, despite having this absolutely glorious vaginal birth and a pelvis that literally spells babies into, into time space, the the hospital would forever treat me as if I'm a ticking time bomb because of my previous surgical history. And and so I could not find a location that would allow me, allow me, quotes again, to have a water birth, to go without monitoring, to move at will, to not have separation from my baby. It just, it didn't exist in my locale. There was, there's no like middle ground for someone who maybe does feel safer or even has a medical necessity to be close to a hospital but wants to, to sort of be left alone, there's there's no middle ground there. And so I felt like I really needed to explore that home. There was a pull into that home birth option. But the the biggest factor was thinking about the birth I just had, which was a 21-hour birth. And 20 of those hours were out of hospital. 20 of those hours were me and my husband in our home, working with our body, sleeping, eating, moving, changing positions, learning, drinking. It was just, it was beautiful. It was dark. It was peaceful. It was quiet. It was, oh, it was cozy. It was my favorite day of my life, I think. And when I think about the fact that had that been a home birth, I would have had a trained medical professional in my home checking on me, checking on the baby, having professional expertise and advice versus an OB who was totally well-intentioned and very good at her job telling me to stay as far away from her in the hospital as possible for as long as possible, that really, what I heard there was, you're safer at home with a medical provider that can take care of you. And the other thing that I did is I sort of, I was thinking of it as a zero-sum game. Like, if I choose home birth, then I'm giving up the hospital. I'm giving up epidurals. I'm giving up doctors and higher-level care. And I think that's totally wrong. I think that if I plan a hospital birth, I'm going to get a hospital birth, a vaginal one, or a C-section. And if I plan a home birth, then I'm adding an option. Then I might give birth in my living room or my bathroom or my bedroom or in my kitchen. And and then also, if I need the hospital care, I can still access that. It's not like, it's not an either or. It is very much a yes end. And all of those things really led me to choose my home birth. And once I did that, I have to say it was really easy from there because I chose a midwife that I had worked with as a doula who supported home birth and still had privileges at a local hospital, the closest one to me, actually. And we had our visits and the baby, the labor started. It was 
lightning fast, which totally, totally threw me off. I was expecting this like long drawn out all day laboring thing. And I instead got 5 a.m., 6 a.m. So I don't even remember. It was morning time contractions. And by the time we even like started filling the birth pool, she was coming. She was here. She was here before lunchtime. And it was it was an incredible labor where it just like was so strong and so just came on. It's very I'm a big believer that babies' personalities and their pregnancies and labors are very matched. Because if you look at my three births, my three children are like perfectly aligned with their personalities. My daughter is a powerhouse. She's a firecracker. She's fierce. She has a lot of energy and she comes at you with it. And she matches her birth perfectly. And so I did most of my labor. I wasn't even sure if I was going to get a birth pool. I didn't really imagine myself giving birth in the water. But I wanted again to have more options. So I got like a kitty fishy pool off of Amazon. And and I remember just laboring and laboring and laboring and laboring and just beautiful contractions and just feeling so in my body and feeling so good with my team around me, very chatty, not really going like off into the stars the way I did with my second birth. And then there was this moment where I was like going into transition and I look up at my husband and the few words that we choose to use during labor, right? Because it's like the energy is so so focused internally. I looked up at him and I said, close every blind in the house. I'm going to the pool. It's just like this proclamation. I am ready. I am ready to birth. And and I didn't know I was ready to birth. I just I just knew I needed to get to the pool and I needed privacy to do it. And so we he did that and we made our way to the pool. And at that point, the contractions were coming one on top of the other, very little breaks. And I got into the pool and I shared this, this photo, this very very raw, in the wild, naked, ginormous, laboring mama. It's me in the birth pool and I'm having the birth pause, which is like literally a gift from God. It's when you are you are laboring and laboring and laboring, but before you start the work of pushing, your body pauses to just catch your breath. So when I sat in the pool, I was on my knees and my head is tilted back and I was just resting. And as soon as that rest was over, I heard screaming and I found myself over the edge of the pool. And the screaming is coming for me. I just didn't really put it two and two together yet. I had experienced fetal ejection reflex. And from that resting position, a monster contraction started and she started barreling out of my body. And I have to tell you, I didn't realize I had literally until this morning, I didn't realize I had the fetal ejection ejection with my VBAC. But I also didn't really, I hadn't experienced it as a doula, so I didn't know what it was. And it definitely caught me off guard. It was a moment of terror in my in my labor because it was so intense. I could have, had I chosen to, I could have pushed her out in one push because my body was already pushing her out. And I was feeling like, not just like, I was feeling her push down and stretching all of my tissues, all of my perineum and and I was feeling it and I desperately didn't want to tear because I had torn with my second, my just the second degree, nothing horrible. And but I didn't want to do it again. Who wants to tear at your premium? And so I I remember just holding her back, but I didn't have the words to tell my midwife what was happening. So it was this really funny thing. It was a very short, it was like maybe 10 minutes of this pushing stage before she was born. But it was this thing with like my team being like, you can do it, you can do it. And me just going, I can't. I can't, I can't. And I'm I'm saying I can't because I can't hold her back is what I was trying to say. 
But they're thinking, I mean, I can't push. So it's this really funny like disconnect where they're telling me to push and I am my body is pushing and I'm just trying to hold this baby back so I don't tear. And I was successful. Thank God. It's I don't know what muscles I used. I'm not really sure about the physiology, but there was just this like this, oh my God, let me get through this wave and this push that's involuntarily happening. And I just like reverse pushed her. It was so strange. People ask like, how long do you push for? I'm like, I didn't push at all. I was trying to hold her in. And then she just sort of slipped out. And I guess I had done enough stretching. I didn't tear at all. And she just, well, I have a video of it where like you can see the vaginal opening and it's barely open and there's maybe a baby head in there. And then she just just floats out, just slips out to the world. And there she is. And she's hysterical crying because it's Annabelle. That's what she does. So it was not the like peaceful home birth. You know, baby doesn't know they're born. She knew she was born and she was pissed. But it was just this absolutely unbelievable, powerful moment. And I just had my baby and it was so fast. It was just an unbelievable experience. And then the very best part I have to say was the postpartum because I was in my house, in my place, in my bed. Her big brothers came to meet her. Our, you know, our family, the ones that were invited came, told them all about the birth. We FaceTimed with people, told them we had a home birth. We weren't really sharing that with people. And then later when everybody left, I got up, I took a shower, I had a bagel that was left over from the morning that I couldn't eat because I was too far into labor. And it all just felt really, really normal. And I feel lucky to have had sort of the vast array, right, of like super medicalized to finding my power, but still in a medical setting to just having a baby in my living room. And my mother, who was kind of skeptical or unsure. She was wanted to be supportive, but just really wasn't sure what I was doing was okay. She just remarked afterwards, wow, that was really normal. You just had a baby and then you went to bed with the baby and we just cleaned up and it was just really normal. And it's really cool to sort of have that whole array because I feel like I have so much more empathy for people that are going through any different type of birth. And, and knowing that I got exactly the birth I needed for each and every stage for the person I was at that point. But yes, that is my entry into the maternal care world, the advocacy world, the doula world. And of course, now with Be Her Village, helping other people line up that support. It is it is driven by my experiences in that maternal health care system and outside of it, because I kind of feel like home birth is a little bit on the outside of it intentionally. So, Oh my goodness, Caitlin, like Your stories are so incredible and the lessons that you've learned with each one and the way that you're bringing that to your own life. You can see your light shining for those that are listening. Maybe you'll jump over to YouTube and actually see her because you just feel the glow as you're telling your stories. But tell us more about then how that all led you to Be Her Village and what is that? How does that support people? Awesome. Oh, I'd love to talk about that. So so these motherhood experiences, especially my first one, really colored how I how I entered motherhood. Right. I'm a big believer, and this is why I said earlier, like it's the beginning, it's the end, it's the culminating moment of your pregnancy, but it's also the very beginning of our motherhood journeys. And for my first birth, I didn't have a doula. I didn't have a supportive team. I hadn't lined up the care that I needed, mostly, quite frankly, because I didn't know. I had a baby shower. People got me stuff from the baby store. I don't know. I thought I was just doing what I was supposed to do. 
and they thought they were doing what they were supposed to do. And the thing is, there is just not ever, ever, ever a lack of generosity. Everybody wants to support the new mom. Everybody wants to open their wallets and show up and offer support. There's nothing more exciting than someone having a baby. I mean, let's be real. It is just, it is the coolest thing. And it really, it solidifies communities around new families. And what has happened though, is it's kind of been co-opted by this retail industry where they've been tricked into buying a bunch of baby gadgets and gear for new moms rather than actually offering support. And so there's this one moment in that journey where I was three days postpartum from my C-section, trying to figure out how to breastfeed, trying to figure out how to get myself to the shower so I could get dressed and go to the doctor. It was probably the first time I had like worn a shirt since I got home because breastfeeding and shirts did not mix for the first like four weeks, I think. (laughs) And and I was just really alone. My husband had gone back to work. He didn't have paid leave. We couldn't afford unpaid leave. And my mother walked in and found me sort of like in the recliner in the nursery, surrounded by all the things I got for my shower, crying, unsupported, not having really anything that I needed. And it was such a moment that sticks out. There were so many moments, of course, they're all a little blurry, but but it was just this moment where it's like, oh, I didn't have what I needed. I didn't have what I needed at all. What I needed was the actual community. I needed friends, I needed family, and I needed professionals to sort of be with me, to just witness me, to teach me, to take care of me, and to show me the way. And there was a really big disconnect between the way that I had prepared and the way that my community prepared me versus what I actually needed. And so I I took on a lot of blame for that. And I think many of us do that. When our births don't go the way we want to, or we feel like we're failing, we think, this is me. I should have done better. I should have researched. I should have learned. I should have read another book. I should have, I should have known. And I thought that for a long time until I became a doula. And I became a doula after my BBAC. And I started working with hundreds of different people who were giving birth. And I started seeing that they were going through that exact same process of getting set up with a bunch of stuff, going through their birth and postpartum, being unprepared, and then feeling struggle, feeling failure, and blaming themselves. And it's like, I don't think this is right. And I started really putting these pieces together of it's not just me and it's not just them. There's thousands of dollars being spent on them at their baby shower, and yet they can't afford access to postpartum care or paid parental leave or lactation consultants or tongue-tie clips or postpartum meals or really any of the care that we need to be able to show up and be present and enjoy and take care of our babies. And so when I started putting those pieces together, I started thinking about how we could shift that conversation and where we go wrong with gifts. And so I decided to put together a baby registry that actually helps people get support and care for themselves as baby shower gifts. And it's not something that exists or doesn't exist now, but wasn't something that existed because this retail industry is so good at what they do. And what they do is they tell moms and they tell the people who love moms that you need our stuff, buy it so you'll have a great time. And and what we need is we need our birth worker industry to sort of come together and say, no, that's not the way. And we know that's not the way, but now there's a better way. And so 
we made beherevillage.com, which is a totally customizable registry where you can shop for support as a parent. Birth workers, you can get yourself on our website so they can find you as a parent. And they can add their doulas, their lactation care, their childbirth classes, their postpartum needs. They can add it all to their registry and their friends and family can send them the funds in that gift to pay for their support teams. And we've had over $112,000 gifted and we have 1,200 birth workers. We have hundreds of families using our website and we're small but mighty. And it's the idea is mighty, right? Like we are changing the way that we think about supporting mothers because it's, we have to sort of expand the way we think about the support as birth workers and as mothers into that retail experience. We can't keep it separate anymore. We can't say, Oh, I want this great birth and I'm going to, I'm going to do these things. And then also I'm going to get all the traditional stuff that they're telling me I need it. Bye bye baby. We need to bring those ideas together and sort of close the circle on what our preparation looks like by thinking about the baby shower as this place for your community to shower you with the support, whether it's, hey, come and sign up for a shift, sign up for a meal train, sign up for this, or fund this registry, help me pay for my doula, help me access the midwifery care, help me have the professionals that I need to take care of me in this time so that I can have the transition and that transformation, more importantly, in this beautiful way that, quite frankly, each and every one of us deserves as we as we welcome our babies. So it's a really exciting project to be working on, to say the least. Hey, Lynn, you know, I totally love you in every way. I mean, from your passion with your stories, you filled us with so much wisdom. But Be Her Village is so needed by everyone. I truly hope everyone that's listening, share this podcast with friends, with family. We need that community. You've created something so essential that's going to truly, it's the revolution we've needed to change childbirth and reclaim the power, not only in birth, but the power in postpartum and community and family. So I know everyone's probably saying, okay, how do I find you? Can you share how people can sign up and get engaged with you? Absolutely. So everything is at our website. Just go to beherevillage.com. Or if you're a birth worker, you can check out our businesses page. We have all kinds of offerings and ways to get involved there. You can start with us for free, get your services on there. This is about getting our community together in one place, right? And you can go, you can create a registry, you can add services, you can shop for local practitioners. You can do everything on our website. If you'd like to engage with us further, we're also on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Everything is at Be Her Village. We're on Facebook. And you can also reach out to me anytime, Caitlin at BeHerVillage.com, K-A-I. T-L-I-N at BeHerVillage.com. I'm happy to talk to anybody. We do, you know, we help people set up registries. We help them find practitioners. We answer any questions. We're Our website is gorgeous. I'm just going to say that for myself. It's beautiful. I love it. We worked really hard on making it look like that. But it also makes people think we're this like monster corporation. It, we're a small team and we're very accessible and we are dedicated every single day to making sure that people get access to the care they need and that we're changing the conversation and reclaiming the baby shower as something that's supportive for moms. Thank you so much, Caitlin. 
for everyone that's listening, I hope that you're going to get over to Be Her Village, check it out, tag her and tag us at Orgasmic Birth. We'd love to hear how this podcast, how Caitlin's stories and wisdom is changing what you might be thinking or preparing for your birth or parenting. So thank you so much, Caitlin, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Deborah. This was my absolute pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank you all. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.